Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. It's a, a special day for myself, Bob Salzberg, editor of the Herald Times, and our co-host, Mary Catherine Carmichael da, 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 da. from Leadership Bloomington, <laughs> Monroe County, because it is April and it is the day of our spring gardening show. And we are not fooling. We are not fooling. We are, we are, we are not fooling. I just got that. We are, we are, You're always a little slow yeah, on the update, yeah, We are very fortunate, very fortunate to once again have two gardening experts uh, with us today, Helen May from May's Greenhouse, Don Adamson from Bloomington Valley Nursery. Both are sort of retired, semi-retired, although Don's, Don's going back to work this spring to help them out. Um, and they have uh, answers about all your gardening questions, your tree questions. Don's kind of a tree guy. He's a nursery man. He is a nursery man. I guess. Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the right term, worse. Helen? <laughs> So you can call us at 855-0811 or toll-free 877-285-9348 and wfiu.org slash noon edition is the website. You can uh, send your messages there, your questions, and your comments. So welcome. And call early because we get backed up at the end of the show and it's a hard, we have a hard time getting everybody on. So if you have a question, don't be shy. Right. Okay. So uh, how are you both? Thanks for being here. I'm fine. Good. I'm happy to be here again. All it's right. always fun. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Good. I always enjoy it, and uh, hopefully we'll have some spring weather to go with it. Yeah, yeah. that'd be nice. Let's hope so. So what what has the weather meant to uh, gardening at this point? I mean, are, are, is it wet? Is it wetter than usual? Has the drought from last year, <laughs> have we recovered from that? Well, there's a lot of problems as results of the the drought last year. I know a lot of people are having uh, problems with their lawn as well as there's a lot of dead plants around mm-hmm. as, as results of this drought. And if they're brown now, they're not coming back. Is that right? Okay. Their so, history. Yeah. Sounds, yeah. Like, <laughs> sounds like good business for the nursery. <laughs> In a way it is, but some of them were under our warranty, though, that oh, we have to replace, too. Yeah. So uh-huh. it's good and it's bad. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I've, I've uh, heard from people that the, the drought was – I mean, there are still – there are the effects this year or still this spring. It's a, a lot of trees that maybe people thought might come back are just not mm-hmm. going to make it. Right. If, like I say, if, if they're brown now, other than the deciduous trees, why well, they will not – they won't be back. Okay. Right. Now, deciduous shrubbery like uh, uh, lilacs and that sort of thing, uh, they may re-sprout a little later and down <laughs> near the ground. You may lose some of it. My lilacs are fine. They came through with no trouble. Of course, I spent half my life watering. <laughs> I just figured they knew better. Right. Well, now I wonder about. Uh, we have some um, holly bushes, and they always look a little puny at this time of year, but they seem to recover. Right. They, as long as they're green, they will be okay. Now, a lot of people get excited with holly because they drop a lot of their leaves in the spring. Mm-hmm. And so people get excited sometimes when they see leaves falling off this time of year. But uh, uh, holly push off a lot of their leaves just as the new leaves are coming out. But if they're still green, in most cases, they're okay. Okay. All right. Well, we've had a lot of you know a lot of uh, rain, and and I know in you know my backyard has been a lot of sort of erosion from the rain. How do you how do you restore that the grass that you might have had? You know, is, do you have to just go out there and Replant it. Well, the lawns were kind of on a borderline situation as results of the drought. I've seen a lot of lawns that do need some new seeding. Again, if the grass, if you're not getting some green coming from the roots of the grass, chances are that grass will not be coming back. And we're borderline on too late to seed is is the problem, especially. Uh, if you have someone that does the fertilizer applications, in a lot of cases, they have already put down a crabgrass pre-emergent uh, on your lawn. And if that has gone down, there's no use in seeding. 
mm-hmm. because uh, it will keep the crabgrass seed from coming up, but it will also keep the good grass seed from coming up. So uh, that's uh, a word of caution. I know a lot of people have spots in their lawn and they've already um, put down or someone has put down on their lawn a uh, crabgrass pre-emerge because that's normally the first application. Did you guys know that if you let a half a dozen 14-year-old boys use a slip and slide (laughs) in your front yard that you'll end up with a landing strip of mud? Sure. I found that out the hard way last summer, and uh, as a result, uh, our front yard is really tragic. Uh, So at what point do you just abort the whole mission and start from scratch? Well, you can do that, as as I mentioned, if the crabgrass pre-emergent has not been put down. Now, it needs to be scratched up with an aerator, a power rake, or a by-hand. Uh, I was going to go atomic. It's kind of that bad, but okay. (laughs) But anyway, get some loose soil on top and then seed and apply a uh, starter fertilizer at the same time because it's important to not use a high nitrogen fertilizer when you seed. But... And then after the seeding is done, you have to wait till that seed comes up before putting down a crabgrass pre-emergent, which may take a month. Okay. So, oh, go ahead, Helen. Well, I was just going to say some some varieties of seed germinate a lot faster than others. Uh, bluegrass is what almost three weeks. Yes. Uh, And some of the ryegrasses, I think, come up quicker. About a week, yes. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a potentially muddy tragedy. Well, but... (laughs) There's always sod. Yeah, it may may come to that. Now is a good time to seed, though. Okay. If you can do it right away, and like I say, it is important to get some loose soil so that your seed can get started. Well, I've been in the doghouse now for about seven months, so I'm anxious (laughs) to get this taken care of. Get those same kids out there to help you rake it. I think I will. That's a good suggestion. Now, as you know, I'm I'm just usually alone for the ride on the show. I have the dumb gardening questions to ask. You know, I, my wife is the gardener, and she always sort of surprises me. Last summer, we did some nice gardening. We put mm-hmm. some some new uh, plant plants. How about that? <laughs> we put a nice Could rose. Could you be bush. less yeah, specific? I'll be more specific. We put a really nice <laughs> rose bush in front of our house, and it's climbing up. It looked mm-hmm. great to me. And she just sort of announced the other day that yeah, I'm going to move that rose bush, and I. I don't know why, but she has some other plan for it. So, how, I mean, how easy is it to transplant a rose bush after you've got it, had it for a year and it's starting to? Well, if your back's good, <laughs> <laughs> is it a climber? Yes, it is. Well, first thing she'd need to, or you'd need to do, is prune out any tips or branches that died over the winter. Okay. Uh, then you, uh, if you, you should do it. Right away. Soon, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, as soon as possible. Okay. does much branching out or leafing out and get as big a root ball as you can. But before you dig up the roots, prepare the hole you're going to plant it in okay. and have it all ready to go. Okay. Um, but that, that needs to be done as soon as possible so that it doesn't stress the, the plant so much after it leaves out. Okay. So one, prune out the tips and branches. Two, prepare the hole. Three, get a big root ball. Go mm-hmm. plant. Okay, yeah, as soon you, as possible. I suppose it could be bare-rooted, couldn't it, at yeah, this time right, of year? What's right. that mean? Well, you don't have to worry about keeping too much oh, okay. earth on the roots as okay. long as you dig yeah. it up and get it back in the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But the main thing is do it as soon as possible. Okay. And there'll be less stress. Sounds like a job for tomorrow. I've got yes. some 14-year-old boys that can help. Okay. Um, <laughs> is it too late uh, this spring to prune a boxwood? No, no. They uh, they can be pruned any time. It depends on the look you want. In fact, I just pruned mine last week. I like a natural look, mm-hmm. and if you like a natural look, uh, it's better to prune them now than later in the season. But yeah. boxwood, you can trim whenever your shears are ready to go. Okay. That's good to know. All right. Our phone numbers today for our, uh, our spring gardening shows is your one shot at getting a lot of good spring gardening information. Uh, our phone number is 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 from outside of the Bloomington calling area. And we can guarantee... 
this information in Terre Haute, Kokomo, anyplace else. It's not just Monroe County information. And uh, also you can go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition to join the conversation there. Helen, do we need to be concerned about our daffodils and those things that are already up out of the ground, those really super early bloomers that give us a reason to live at this time of year? (laughs) Well, if, if they weren't fertilized in the fall... When they, if they were new plantings, they should have been when they came up this spring, or about two or three inches high. Uh, Bone meal, uh, or a general bulb food. It's got, you know, all three major elements in it. But um, it's getting a little late to do too much good. But you do need to keep that foliage going, not cut it off until it's about at least half browned. Mm-hmm. It gets a little ugly, but they're they're drawing down strength for next year's bulbs. What about the foldover, where you kind of fold them out? Nope, don't do that. No, because they get those leaves inside. It's like you pulled them off. They don't get any light, and oh. they don't function. Yeah. Okay, so just live with it. Just live with it. Hope you've got something planted in front of it that will come up. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> now, uh, do we need to be covering... Are, are daffodils and other early bloomers, uh, you know, if we hear it's going to get below 30 degrees or 31 degrees? Well, it hasn't harmed mine much so far this year. At a distance, they all look good. A uh, few of them are a little bit wrinkly around the edges. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, droop, they droop a little bit as results of the cold, yes. but uh, there's really no permanent damage. Okay. All right. We've got uh, our, our producer's going crazy in there. The phones were ringing off the hook. So we're going to try to get to the, the phones if I can get his attention. And, <laughs> oh, he's uh, well, here's something. Somebody wanted to know. They said their okay. daffodils aren't blossoming as well as last year. Uh, you think they maybe just need to give them some of the bulb fertilizer to which you referred? Uh, that might help. If they've been planted a long time, you know, well-established in a thick clump, it might be that when they go dormant this summer, they want to dig them while they can find them and replant and feed at that time. Do they need to separate? Do those Are those bulbs that can be separated? Yes. A lot of them will be already separated when you dig them up. They'll fall apart. You don't oh. necessarily want to break apart, say, one is still stuck to a mother bulb. Okay. But you want to spread them out, give them more room, some nutrients, maybe improve the soil under them a little. Fresh coat of paint. No, yeah. <laughs> Put them back in the ground and give them a good drink. Yeah. All right. All right we're, we're giving uh, producer Dan a workout in there. I think that Pam's going to go first. Pam? Hello. Hello, Pam. Go ahead. Uh, yes, I'm in a new construction area. Um, we have a driveway that was cut right next to the woods, and there's about a six-foot tall embankment that, that just goes right up into the woods from the driveway, and it's already eroding. Mm. And we wonder what kind of um, ground cover or planting might be good to put in an area like that to prevent the erosion from continuing and to look nice. But was, was there a road there where you want to plant? Um, it's a driveway that's just, yeah, we want to plant something there. But you'll, if there was a roadway in that area, you would need to excavate out that soil and get some good soil, first of all. And is this in a shady area or a sunny area? Uh, it's going to be a, probably most of the time a shady area. It's, it's just the driveway that, that comes around behind the house. Okay. There, there are a lot of vining ground covers that would do well, and most of them prefer shade. Uh, okay. The Venka uh, or Myrtle is one, Pachysandra is another, and uh, Ivy and Euonymus. All of these like a shady situation, and, uh, and it is important to, when those are planted, to put some mulch on to help, help hold everything in place. But, Don, okay. I'm worried if she's planting on the edge of a woods, these, those are all pretty invasive, what you yeah, just talked about. Wondering. And I think you're going to want to be really worried about that because she doesn't want her woods to fill up with ivy and, and all that good stuff. Well, I know, right. that, I know anymore there's a lot of talk about invasive plants, but used to everyone wanted them to grow as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I know the euonymus is particularly invasive, but uh, uh, the myrtle and pachysandra are, are slower growing. But mm-hmm. if she, she may want to use a plant, even though it's considered invasive, to, uh, if, she, if she wants to hold the soil, that may be necessary. Pam, you might be able to, uh, you can always put a barrier uh, that goes underground um, that would prevent the roots from then spreading over into your woods. That might help. Oh, okay. 
That might help, Pam. And also um, remember that if any of them start to climb trees, you've got to cut it out uh, back see. down to ground level because most okay. of those won't seed unless they, they, they get up in trees and, and become arboreal, I guess right. you would say. Uh, the, uh, can, you, can you plant the um, pachysandria or, or one of the or myrtle with um, the cloths that you can put over areas like that? It's better not to use them so that they can root into the soil around there, especially okay. pachysandria spreads underground. And so you, uh, we don't recommend the cloth for either of those. But neither of those will climb either. So okay. uh, they would be, both be good choices. And as I mentioned, do put mulch around them to help hold everything in place and help hold the moisture uh, for the those. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's important to have good soil mm-hmm. uh, for either of those so that they w- will spread. Okay. Yeah, Probably she's going to need to do a soil test and figure out what she's got there. If you have real good soil, and most wood soil is uh, acidic, which these plants like also. That's the main thing. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. All right, Pam. Good luck. Thank you. Thanks a lot for the call. 855-0811-877-285-9348 and WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. Michelle is next. Michelle? Hi. Good morning. Uh, I was wondering whether it's uh, a good time to separate my surprise lilies. You know, they are uh, really nice now. The, I mean, the the, the stalks. Is it uh, is it good to uh, separate them now? Mm, no, because right now they're preparing the bloom that will come up later this year. What you do, the tops will begin to die down before yes. they bloom. Yes. When the tops are practically down but you can see where the bulbs are you can dig and divide then and reset immediately Uh, they're a bulb that you don't want the roots to dry out while they're out of the ground or you can dig them right after they bloom and reset i see okay so this is not the time now no this 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 is the time when all the uh, uh you know nutrients and everything are being absorbed into the bulb Oh, thank you so much. Second question, if you have a minute. Mm-hmm. I planted uh, 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 weeping uh, uh, cherries. Uh, mm, I love those. Two, two weeks ago. <laughs> but uh, we've been having these tears of cold. Uh, will that uh, be uh, a detriment to it? Is it? No, it won't, it won't hurt the trees. It may knock some of the flowers, but the trees certainly will not be hurt with the cold. In fact, this is a good time to plant trees. Okay, and I am watering it every other day. Is that good, too? Uh, usually we don't recommend quite that often. Once a week in uh, oh. weather like we're having is sufficient. Oh, okay. Then, then when, it gets, when it gets hotter, go to twice a week. Okay, thank you so much. All right, Michelle, thanks a lot bye, for the bye. call. All right. So what what do we need to be doing right now? Cleaning all the dead stuff out of our gardens. Yes. What else? Uh, yes. You want to clean up, uh, you know, dead hosta leaves. And, and if you've let the daylily leaves linger uh, for mulch, uh, you need to get those out because there can be insect and problems. And also right now you should be cleaning all the trash of any kind away from your iris because the borers are going to be hatching any day if they haven't already, and they're, li- they're in that litter. Mm. So if you can clean all that down, it'll really cut down on your uh, iris borer problems. But, but right now is an excellent time to plant trees. Uh, number one, they're still dormant, so there's less stress on the plant by transplanting it now. And mm-hmm. also, they can flower in your lawn instead mm-hmm. of at the nursery. <laughs> <laughs> so the sooner the better. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. And mulching, yes? Well, everything, once you get cleaned up, you should do whatever mulching uh, you normally would you know, consider. Be sure you don't pile it against right. the trunks of your trees. Like should, all these apartments and yeah, such. Yeah, and <laughs> restaurants, yeah. Uh, you, should, you should leave the bark to the ground where it can get air and light and then start out a few inches with your mulch. Three inches or two even is usually enough for most planting areas. Depth, you're yes. talking. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. And you may want to then freshen that up a little later in the summer if it begins to look matted down. Uh, this is also the uh, time to prune... Uh, um, 
late blooming, like hydrangeas that bloom. Not there are lots of kinds of hydrangeas. These are the big white fellows that sometimes make big cone-shaped blooms. Yeah, the summer, big. the summer this, bloomers. The summer mm-hmm. bloomers. Yes, it is time to get those pruned. Uh, because they will bloom on the new growth that comes. I have the I have both kinds, the kind that bloom on new growth and the and the other kind. I don't know how to tell the difference. Well, they're by variety and uh some of the varieties uh uh well almost all of them bloom on new wood. Okay. But they and some bloom several times throughout the summer and others just this flower once. So hydrangeas uh in particular uh, as Helen said, now is a good time to do the pruning back so that they will flower on the new wood. And there are others, too. The spireas are the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of the hydrangeas that are white only, not pink or blue, or could be pruned in the spring. You know, we seem to, to always, uh, we frequently get to talking about mulch. And, you know, it's, it's always, when, when you see people who mulch around, this idea that, you know, more is better um, always comes out. It seems like it's kind of decorative. You know, people just pile it up and they put it up against the tree. But I think I've asked you this before, but I, of course, have forgotten. Are there particular kinds of mulch that you would recommend that are better? I mean, there are the hardwood mulches and there are, what, cypress mulch and various kinds of things. Well, the hardwood mulch is the one that's used more often. And uh, some people feel that the hardwood, they're going to have a, a termite problem, but it will not cause a termite problem. In all the years I've been in landscaping, we've never seen a, any landscapes that ha, have had a termite problem in the mulch. Mm-hmm. And it does not have to be treated but uh, to keep the termites out. You're just not going to get an, a termite problem in the mulch. I know the the colored mulches are used a lot, but there there were wood fibers, and where the I like the bark better than the wood fiber mulches. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and what about what's the upside of the um, cypress mulch? It will it will last longer, and um, not it, biodegrade. Right. It, mm-hmm. uh, it the uh, the hardwood will will break down in about a year, but cypress will last longer. But to me, it doesn't it doesn't look good after a year. Mm-hmm. So you want to freshen it up anyway. Yeah, even though it doesn't break down. But that's that's the plus for cypress is it, it will last longer. Can we talk about edging too? I noticed that um, uh, in public spaces they often use the the nice metal edging, um, and it seems like most people in their yards just use the, I don't know if it's rubber or plastic or whatever. Well, there are several different kinds, but you want to use one that's going to stay put as much as possible. Mm -hmm. In other words, uh, some of the plastic edgings are put in with stakes and and will stay where you put it. But freezing and thawing will heave out the ones that are not properly put in with stakes. Those would be mine, yeah. (laughs) So do you have better luck then with the metal uh, edging staying put? Uh, Probably, yes, because the metal edgings usually have a a real long stake that goes down deep. And and it is important to get them in deep enough, and that is helpful to keep them from heaving out also. Okay, okay. Okay, All right. Yeah. Well, it's uh, time to take our short break. But let me give the phone numbers again, 855-0811. And outside of Bloomington, 877-285-9348, WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. We have Helen May and Don Adamson here. We're talking about gardening. So give us your calls and uh, with all your questions, and we'll try to get them answered. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcast directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. Programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, The Ether Game, Musical Mini Quiz, as well as Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Find out more at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Fridays, the WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 11.33 a.m., 11.55 a.m., and 5.45 p.m. to catch that day's feature. They're also archived on our website, wfiu.org. 
We're back on Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times along with Mary Catherine Carmichael from Leadership Bloomington, Monroe County. It is our annual spring gardening show with Helen May. <laughs> I did the trumpets at the beginning, right. so I thought it only fair I'd do it out uh, of break. It's Mary too. Catherine's favorite show. <laughs> Helen May is here from May's Greenhouse, Don Adamson from Bloomington Valley Nursery, and we're talking about all whatever you want to talk all about. All things green and growing. That's right. Whatever you want to talk about. I should mention the farmer's market starts in Bloomington. Yeah. Right? So it's if you uh, farmer's market. Yeah. So if you uh, haven't made any progress with your own starts, you can take advantage of others' labor. All right. And we'll be talking about uh, some vegetable gardening here in a minute, but let's give the phone numbers and go to the phone first, 855-0811, and... 877-285-9348, WFIU.org slash Noon Edition is the web address Gary has been holding now. So, Gary, go ahead. I got one question. We've got a dogwood tree flowered the first year we planted it, and it hasn't flowered the last three. Anything I can do to help that along? Now, it, it, does the foliage look healthy? I know it doesn't have any yet. but no, uh, it looks good, yes. But now, one thing with dogwood, it's important not to fertilize them much. What happens is some, uh, sometimes if they're fertilized with too much nitrogen, the tree will grow and not set flower buds. Okay. Now, the uh, the flower buds are set in the fall, so you will be able to tell by looking at the tree now mm-hmm. if it's going to flower this year or not. Uh, do you see any buds on it this year? Uh, not at the moment, no. Because the uh, the drought last year helped some trees, uh, helped to stress some trees and will make them bloom that have not flowered for a while. But uh, trees almost, especially dogwood, sometimes flower better if they have been stressed in some way. Okay. And in fact, we used to sometimes try to get dogwood in and hold them at the nursery for a while, and they would always bloom the second year. Oh, my gosh. We actually got the tree from your nursery, so okay. um, but we'll keep an eye on it. You could go out and say disparaging things to it. That might stress <laughs> it. But don't... Uh... <laughs> Well, we'll try anything. Okay. Thank you much. Okay, thank you, Gary. Helen, do you have something to add? Well, I was going to say, I have two young dogwoods at home Mm -hmm. that the birds planted for me. (laughs) They're coming along very nicely. Um, One of them is in deep shade, and it shows no signs of any buds. I mean, you know, full shade. And the other one's out on the edge of the larger trees, and it's loaded with buds mm-hmm. this year. So if you planted it in a really shady situation, right. that may be part of your problem. Mm-hmm. They don't like shade. That is correct. Okay. Let's go to Arlene next. Arlene? Hello. Um, I am going crazy with moles and chipmunks. I like gardening, but it almost seems like there's not any point anymore. I have a raised uh, bed um, and have spent a couple years putting in um, some ground cover, and we have used uh, mole traps. We have used chipmunk traps with some success, but sometimes they just ignore the traps, and uh, I'm getting really tired of replanting this bed over and over again when the moles and the chipmunks come through and undo all my work. And I wondered if there's any, any other suggestions. It is the raised bed only. Well, it's really bad. They're throughout our yard, too, yeah. but, you know, I, I, I'll give them the yard. Well, yeah, moles, uh, you know, they're like the poor. They're with us always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are these raised beds in some kind of uh, uh, wooden or something container, or are they just piled up? Um, it's um, in a railroad-type bed. All right, it's a it's a major thing, but you could those empty the thing and put a hardware cloth in the bottom, which is a, a wire you can find it mm-hmm. at hardware stores, yeah. and plant it on top. That will keep anybody from coming up, anything from coming up from below. But if they're digging in from the surface. Then about your only choice is some kind of uh, a barrier on the surface or a cat that is really a hunter. <laughs> uh, now, I'm a bird lover, so I, you know, don't want to. 
but that will keep chipmunks down and uh, moles to a certain extent. There are some cats or mole hunters. Um, a little dog might help, but he might also dig up your beds. So uh, <laughs> I, I really don't know what to advise other than traps for the chipmunks. Mm-hmm. They haven't really come up with anything better, I don't think. <laughs> and uh, I know we have used in years past some of the, uh, uh, oh, my mind went blank. <laughs> <laughs> some of these uh, spray materials uh, that you can spray yeah. on and, uh, and water in. Mm-hmm. Castor oil? Is that what you yeah, well, castor, it's a form. That's what I was thinking uh-huh. of. It's a form of castor oil, uh-huh. and uh, you can. Uh, it's been specially formulated. You can spray it on your lawn and water it in, and the moles and it's, don't it's, like it. Yes, it seems to work for, uh, say, a season or something like that. It's not a long-term fix, mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of times that will cause them to leave the area for a season. Well, maybe poor Arlene could at least get a get to see her flowers bloom right, one year. Right. <laughs> well, good luck, Arlene. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks a lot for the call. 855-0811-877-285-9348 and wfiu.org slash noon edition. Rhiannon is next on the line. Hi, I've got an evergreen, uh, about a 12-foot spruce, and it's really beautiful. It has a perfect Christmas tree shape. And when you get up close to it, you realize that the growth is all at the the ends of the branches. Inside, it's all just completely brown and brittle. I put down um, oh, the evergreen stakes uh, fertilizer, and it makes the tips grow more, but I never get new uh, foliage on the, the inside of the branches. Is there anything I can do about that? That is natural for a spruce tree. In other words, all spruce and most evergreens only hold two years' growth of needles. So the the insides are not going to put on any foliage no matter what you do. And okay. so the best thing to do is to feed them this time of year to get the outside growth, uh, get more growth on it. But that inside will always be bare in a mature tree because spruce trees and, as I say, most evergreens only hold Two years' growth of needles. The rest, uh, that's just the way they are. Okay. Let's work for me. I like that. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. Any other questions? No, that's it. Okay. Thanks a lot for the call. 855-0811-877-285-9348, WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. Now would be a good time to call because we don't have anybody on the lines. Helen, what's the best way to go about establishing uh, a vegetable garden? Uh, You know, a lot of people want to give that a try. It's kind of back in vogue to be growing your own vegetables. How do you get started? Well, first you check your area over and see where you have enough sun. You need at least uh, six hours of sun to grow most vegetables, and all day would be fine for some of them. Um, And if you don't have much room, you can grow in containers, big pots. You can grow in raised beds, or you can work your soil up and grow directly in the ground. What if you have grass there now? Well, you want to kill the grass, and there's two ways to do it. You can layer it a little late for this year, but you can layer it with multiple layers of newspaper. and I know where you can get some. (laughs) (laughs) And put enough uh, mulch of some fairly quick-rotting kind or maybe some good topsoil, Mm -hmm. just enough on top to hold those papers in place. And that will kill the grass because it won't have any light. And you need to use at least four layers of newspaper, a little more maybe. And the newspaper will rot and get a, can just be incorporated in your garden when it's tilled for the first time. In your um, containers, of course, you want to buy a good quality potting soil because you cannot grow uh, with just soil dug out of your yard in a pot. It gets too compacted mm-hmm. and uh, it's too full of possibly bad bugs and and so on. Uh, we always grow our peppers in pots uh, because uh, our garden's very small and uh, we found that they do extremely well that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 
then you need to add nutrients to your, if it's out in your yard, you need to add nutrients to your soil. And the best way to know what to add is to either buy a soil test kit or uh, I believe you can have a, have soil tested. I'm not sure who does it in town if, or if it may have to be sent off to someplace like Purdue. But the uh, Area Extension Agent's office could tell you. And um, you can do it yourself just for a rough test. Uh, you'll have to buy the little kit, but it's not too difficult. Uh, but when you get it, you need the pH to be about where vegetables do well. And generally, that's somewhere around six and a half to seven. Uh, varies a little, but most things will grow in that kind of soil. And then every year, you need to add some source of organic material mm-hmm. because it burns up and is used. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you will have to, if there's some rocks and roots and stuff, get all those out. And when you've got it without too many huge lumps and so forth and get it all raked smooth and and ready to go, then you can begin to plant in it. And some plants will grow in surprising places. We planted four tomatoes in sod when we moved to our first house. And uh, they did just great. (laughs) Virgin soil in sod. (laughs) I was amazed. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. All right. We have a long line of phone callers now, so let's go first to Valerie. Valerie? Um, yeah. You mentioned at the beginning of the program uh, daffodils that have been in the same place for a long time and have, have uh, not been blooming well and dividing them when they go dormant, if you can find them, which I always forget to mark them. And, you know, this has been going on for years. Um, <laughs> what would happen if I divided them now and spread well, them out? You don't need to divide them now. It's too early. But when the leaves begin to look bad and are falling over and are two-thirds dried up and brown, dig them up then okay. and get them right back in the soil, and you'll be fine. Should I put bone meal or something in with uh, Yes, you can buy bone meal or a balanced bulb food. Uh, or not a balanced, but one that's complete. Uh, and uh, you can dig some under uh, in the bed where you're going to replant and put a little clean soil on, plop your bulbs down, and uh, then sometimes I go ahead when the bed's filled up and put a little more on top. Okay, so I can do it when the leaves are dried up but still visible. Yes, yes. because I've had, I have the same problem. I can't find them yeah. in the fall. Well, I always yeah. forget to mark them and then another year goes by. <laughs> I have some squirrels that would be happy to help you find those. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, they're the only thing. I've planted lots of bulbs, you know, 30 years ago when I moved here, and the daffodils are pretty much the only thing that survived. Everything else has gotten eaten, especially yeah. tulips. So, mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. All right, Valerie, thanks for the call. Jerry is on the line. Jerry's next. Jerry? Yes, hello. Um, A few callers ago, you were talking about spruce trees dying out, but we have some where the lower branches are completely dead, and we don't know whether it's a sign that the whole tree is dying and beyond the point of no return, and whether we should prune these dead branches just for appearances sake now there is a disease hitting this area especially in colorado blue spruce Uh, so far it seems to only be affecting the colorado blue spruce and it that sounds like uh, what it does but also stress from the drought last year caused a lot of lower limbs on spruce to to die and it's important to get some fertilizer to them. I wouldn't do a drastic pruning on them because, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of times uh, they will put some growth on the ends of branches, so some of those branches may not be completely dead. Okay. Because uh, just the stress of the drought caused some spruce to drop uh, needles on the lower branches. but. If you if it's a Colorado blue, it may be this disease, which I'm, I hate to say there's no treatment for, but okay. uh, that's hitting a lot of the mature. 
Colorado spruce in this area. I know we've had lots of them uh, calls in regard to that, and, and there's really nothing, no treatment for that. But it starts just like that. In and other words, the, dies from the ground up. That is correct on a Colorado blue spruce. But we have never found it, and Purdue has not shown any indication of finding it in any other spruce. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. All right, Jerry. Thanks for the call. 855-0811-877-285-9348 from outside of the local calling area and WFIU.org slash noon edition. And Gene is on the phone. Gene? Hello. Hi. Uh, my husband planted uh, prairie planting a few years back. It's been very successful. Last year, towards the end of the summer, he um, started another one. And it rained that night, and that was the end of the rain. <laughs> the drought set in. And I don't know about him now. He may have given up. I'm wondering, is, there, is it a total lost cause? Were those did the seeds just get all dried up, you know, and that's the end of that, or is there hope for some part of it? Some prairie plants can take extended droughts before well, these were seed will seeds. mulch. These are just seeds. Well, I mean before the seed itself will germinate. Uh if they have a very several very dry years, uh not much happens and then they get a good rainy season, suddenly everything's growing everywhere. So I wouldn't give up entirely, but what you might do is check out for uh, anything that you know is not what you want and and get it out. There's some fescue out there right now. Mm -hmm. Well, you and you know if if something comes up that's out of your neighbor's yard or (laughs) or something that just isn't isn't what you want, or if you get a lot of of, uh, little tree sprouts or something, uh, I would at least kind of work on those until the stuff has had time to sprout. If it's yeah, it's a, little, it's a little too early yet for all this these plants to come back, so you need okay. to allow a little more time yeah, to see never, what's... Well, these never were plants. They're just seeds. Well, but it was grasses or something coming from the seeds. Well, I don't know. He tried to get rid of as much of it as he could up, you know, what he didn't want in this area. Pretty good-sized area. And then just threw the seeds around and rolled them in and all that. And then, as I say, it just quit raining. So we just have to wait and see, I guess. Right. I would give them a little more time. All right. Thank Uh, you. All right. Thanks a lot for the call. And uh, Carol is next. Carol? Hi. Hi, Hi, Helen and John. (laughs) Hi. Hi. Uh, This is Carol. And I decided in my later years, because I'm 65 right now, and that I was going to kind of reduce my garden. And so I planned a um, pathway-type walkway, and it's a four-foot walkway, through my garden. And I wondered, and I put a um, sundown right in the middle of it. Hmm. And I was going to just stone, you know, put stone in the center where where the sundown was, but my husband had kind of um, said, well, why don't we just put the walkway all the same? What is the best kind of, um, you know, thing to lay down so we won't be either sinking into it or um, what kind of, um, like, gravel or pea gravel or is really good that would be safe to walk on? Well, I like mulch. Uh as a pathway, it's e- it's nice to walk on and everything, uh-huh. and uh, because pea gravel, if it's very deep, is or any gravel is very difficult to walk on, and it always ends up in your house. <laughs> yeah, it's going to end up in my house. <laughs> but I like I like the mulch as a pathway. I think okay. it's easy to walk on, and sometimes you can put stepping stones or natural stones of some type in the mulch. And uh, to to create oh, a little and more around the stepping stones, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. right. Okay. Yeah. Well, the thing is, um, I, my plan was around the sundial. That was the only part, which is not very large, that I would put the uh, decorative gravel, and then the two sides that it's kind of like a cross, you know, mm-hmm. coming to the center. And um, the only, and I said that's that's why I wanted the mulch on. The ends coming in and going out on four four sections, 
And what I did was, this is a, a, a long-term plan, I propagated my boxwood, and I have future, futuristic you know, plans for boxwood to line it later, but I only had 12 or 13 of them, so I edged each post at the very beginning of each walkway and the center part, the four centers, uh, with the boxwoods that I had. And they're, they're rather small. They're about uh, in a four-inch pot, <clears throat> and I transplanted them already. And, um, and so I'm, and my plan is to continue it and then, you know, hedge it and everything. But that's in the future. Mm-hmm. But I, I really wanted just the gravel right there by the sundown so I, none of the weeds or the, or the um, plants that had been in my garden before would come up. And uh, do you think that's a good plan to do that and then mulch the entries? Well, like I say, gravel is difficult to walk in, but mm-hmm. uh, you can put a, fa- a fabric under your mulch also to, right. uh, to keep weeds from coming up. Right. That's but, what we, uh, our plan is that. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, so, but stepping stones would be a good addition. To yeah, sometimes we use a natural stone rather than a pre-made stepping stone. I sure. like I like the natural mm-hmm. pathway in the mulch. It's like pretty, that. yeah. Okay. Sounds right. like it's going to be beautiful, Carol. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, Carol, thanks a lot for the call. Katie is next. Katie? Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, thank you so much for the wonderful information I've already gotten. Um, I did bulbs the first time last year. Um to my reading, um, moles are poisonous to cats and dogs, so they generally won't bother them. Um, well, they, generally, but it's uh, not a, a sure thing. Well, that's true. I have a stupid cat. Well, anyway. they, will, <laughs> they will kill them a lot of times but not eat them. That's what oh, my okay. cats do. They bring them as lovely little gifts. Oh, <laughs> got plenty of those. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other thing is, um, oh, yeah, and I've invested enough money in maize to actually adopt it as a child. <laughs> I love maize greenhouse. Um, I am beginning, um, I'm, I'm a work fanatic. I have a huge dug-up area out here where I want to plant medicinal herbs. And I, too, on the back of this last conversation, want to put pathways in. But I don't want to take the nitrogen out of the soil, and I'm afraid the mulch will do that. What would be something good to lay... I, eventually, I plan on growing mosses and things in the pathways, but in the meantime, I want my herbs to be healthy so that I can be healthy, and uh, I need an idea for a pathway between them. Helen, I'm growing something um, on my pathway. It's a real small, and I can't remember the name of it, a real small-leafed uh, plant that you can is, walk on. Is it a little thyme? Yes, that's sort? what it is. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. There are some very close laying thimes which might work for you because they will tolerate full sun. Okay. Now they're they adorable. They wouldn't tolerate you know heavy foot traffic all day every day, but an occasional person walking through won't do them any harm at all. Well, if I'm going to um, use this as a as a herb garden when I take herb walks. With mm-hmm. folks, I may end up with some traffic. Oh, but oh. the uh, you can use an an older wood mulch and or bark, and it will not deplete your nitrogen. You don't want to use fresh uh, fresh trees that are ground. How much older? Uh, maybe a year or two old. Well, most of the uh, garden centers now carry an, a mulch that is aged rather than just fresh mulch. And uh, which will not deplete the nitrogen that much. What about the cocoa bark? Is that any better about that or not? Or the cocoa, I'm sorry, the cocoa shells. I meant, yes, Yes. thank you. Yeah, but you're talking to a poor girl. Yeah, that that (laughs) stuff is expensive. That's true. But boy, it smells like hot chocolate on a hot day. It's lovely. If you don't get those those, uh, mulches mixed into the soil... Mm-hmm. You probably won't have too much of a problem right. oh, that's a if good they're point. just laying on the surface. Okay. Now, if you should put landscape fabric under this right. path, yeah. be sure that it's anchored very firmly. Okay. And I, I think it only comes. Does it only come down in three foot widths, no. or to get any width you need? Widths. Any widths you need. Mm-hmm. All right, because I was going to say if you have to overlap it then you have to be especially careful down there that nothing comes loose. Okay. But uh, if if you could get some from Dawn, well, you can get whatever width you yeah, want. Yeah, they have it all widths. Yeah. That's great. 
right. then you can put your mulch on top. And if, if you've got a yard roller or someone with big feet, have them go over it and kind of firm it down for you a little bit. <laughs> well, thank you very much. It's a great idea. All right. All right. God bless. Thank you. Mary Catherine has a bunch of 14-year-olds. I was just going to say, again, I've got 14-year-olds. They have right. huge feet. All right. We have time for one more call. We only have about two minutes, but Chris is on the line and has been very patient. Chris? Um, I have a couple things here. Um, one, a question about a rhododendron. It's supposed to get up to nine feet tall, and I'm wondering if it can be pruned at all to keep it, you know, sort of about half that height. Yes, rhododendron can be pruned. A lot of people have difficulty, but they need to be pruned right after they finish flowering. Okay. And you can actually do a drastic pruning on rhododendron at that time. That right. will be before they set the buds for next year. But uh, if need be, they can be cut down to about half the size they are. And it will they won't look good the first year, but it will not hurt the plant, and they will come back strong. Are they setting their blooms right now, getting ready to open? I mean, I'm not setting, but are they yeah, uh, getting ready to bloom right now? They're getting ready to bloom now, but you do not want to prune them until they're done flowering. Okay, I've got you there. Now, two things real quick. Um, about the moles, I had a neighbor tell me that um, skunks um, – We'll get rid of moles. And I know that we have a skunk that has taken up residence under our shed. And since then, and I've had a horrible mole problem, but uh, I'm not kidding. Since then, I haven't seen one mole. <laughs> well, that one I hadn't heard of, but it's very possible because they don't like any tr- much traffic on top of there. So anything that, that kind of runs around, that's why uh, dogs or cats, anything running around on top of the ground helps to move them out. Well, I'll tell you this: the the, the skunk's more welcome because only rarely will you know that you know he's there. But uh, the mole, you can see him every day. Mm-hmm. Chris, we're uh, I think we're about out of time here. All righty, thank you. So All right, much. hey, thanks a lot for the call, and thank you to everybody who called in. It's always a great program. Helen May, thanks for being here, and Don You're Adamson. You're very welcome. Thanks for being here. You guys are, are we enjoy incredibly. Uh, Smart and articulate, knowledgeable yeah. about all this, and, and we, we appreciate having you here. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Dan Goldblatt, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.